Psalm 24 of David, a psalm. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't lift up his souls to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O your gates. Be lifted up, your ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O your gates. Lift them up, your ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Thanks again, Evan. <clears throat> we, uh, <clears throat> we've just started a new summer series here at TCC. And uh, summer, people are coming and going. Uh, so we're under a theme that's called Going All Out. But all the messages kind of are independent, but we're, we're tucked under that theme. And it seems more and more appropriate as uh, the Olympics uh, draw near. And very, very true for the athletes that they're in the final stages of preparation these days. I wonder what's going through their minds. They're fine-tuning themselves. Uh, and they're going all out. Well, I've been thinking about the uh, concept of freedom, kind of our theme this morning, uh, uh, going all out in discovering freedom. And not because of July 1st, uh, Canada Day that we've just celebrated, or not because of uh, uh, Independence Day that our American friends have celebrated on July the 4th. But the theme is probably uppermost in my mind because of the books that I've been reading. Uh, the Third Conversion, and uh, The Million Dollar Dime, and The Steward Leader. All of these books written by a gentleman called Scott Roden. And I hope you can meet him soon. Uh, we've asked him to come this direction in about 14 months from now. Uh, and uh, we, along with a number of uh, churches, uh, uh, in the south side, uh, the Alberta Baptist Association, E.P. Wall Center here at Taylor, uh, have invited him to come to Edmonton in the fall of 2013 uh, to, to have him speak to the issue of owner versus steward as part of his word to us. Owner versus steward. There are, uh, these are two major philosophies in life that have tremendous implications, owner or steward. I mean, it's the philosophy of how you see yourself as you travel through this life. And whatever road you take, you end up in quite different places, depending on the philosophy you adopt, owner or steward. Do you see yourself as an owner, as the owner, 
or do you see yourself as a steward? An owner looks at his or her possessions and says, it's mine. By golly, I worked for it. Sweat equity. I worked hard for this. This is mine. An owner looks at his or her time and says, it's mine. I deserve it. I deserve this time. I'm going to spend this time as I want to spend this time. That's my business, how I spend my time. It's mine. An owner looks at his or her family and says, well, they're mine. They're mine. Almost with a bit of license to treat them accordingly, like they're mine. An owner looks at God's creation, this beautiful world, and what a beautiful day God's given us today. And, and, and we tend to say, it's mine, it's mine. I own some of this turf on God's creation. It's mine as much as anybody else's, and I will treat it the way that I want to treat it. An owner looks at his or her abilities or gifts and talents and says, well, they're mine. That's how I am, and so they're mine. I can build things. I can calculate challenging mathematical equations. I can locate the God particle. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? The journalists are just buzzing this week. They think they have found the mysterious God particle, which is seen as the key to understanding why matter has mass. And one of the scientists said, the dream is to find an ultimate theory that explains everything. But he said, we are far from that. Well, it's true. We might be able to explain a little bit more. But we don't own it. And we didn't create it. And it's from God. And if they're on the right track that this is the God particle, I hope it leads to the sense not that we're the owner, but that we're stewards. But a steward adopts a different philosophy of life. A steward looks at the possessions that he or she has, our house, our car, our furniture, everything, and says, this is not really mine. But am I ever thankful that, that these gifts are from God? And I'm so blessed to be able to take care of them for a season. Look at the home we live in. Is this ever a blessing? Who would ever have thought that we'd have a, a place to live in like this? And it's beautiful. We love it. But it's not mine. I can't keep it forever. I'm just looking after it for a season, the season that God has given. A steward looks at his or her family and says, what a blessing. I have a mom, I have a dad, I have a spouse, I have children, I have grandchildren. But really, they're not mine. They are gifts from God and they're in my life for a season so I can bless them and so I can encourage them. A steward looks at God's beautiful creation and, and what God has made and says, Lord, it's yours. What a beautiful creation. What a magnificent landscape. Thank you for sharing it with us. What an awesome moon and stars and sun and galaxy. What a beautiful place to live in. Lord, it's yours. And I'll do the best I can to cultivate the garden while I'm here. A steward looks at his or her abilities and says, Wow, God, thanks for that ability. That's a gift from you. And I'll use it to honor you and I'll use it to help others. And this is not all about me, as we sang this morning. This is all about you. This is not about making a name for ourselves. But Lord, I will seek to manage the giftings. I will seek to manage the talents and the abilities uh, that you've given, for you are the one who give it, gave it. 
Those are two quite different roads, aren't they? Two quite different roads. In the end of one road, at the end of one road, the road of ownership, is a feeling of incompleteness. You get to the end of life and you still haven't quite achieved. You get to the end of life and there's still an unhappiness. There's still a discontent. There's still a continual striving to make it a little better. To own a little bit more. To achieve a little more in order to find significance. To make sure that it's padded a little bit more in order that are we really secure. And at the end of the road, in a certain way, there's a bondage. The other road leads to freedom. Amazing freedom. When you can say, I know I don't own it. It all belongs to God and I'm just managing it. Freedom comes when you can say with all your heart, it's yours, Lord. I pray this prayer nearly every day now. Nearly every day. And it goes something like this. It's yours, Lord. The life you gave me. The, fa- the, the family you gave me. The gifts you gave me. They're all yours. You know, I used to be a little nervous to pray that. Like, oh, wow, should you pray that? What, what, if, what if things take a turn to the south? But the reality is that regardless of our philosophy, it all belongs to him. Regardless. I pray that about this church. And I find great freedom. TCC is all yours, Lord. And I want whatever you have for, for our context in this situation. Lord, you see us building a new church structure, but it's yours, Lord. How the building turns out, it's yours, Lord. How the finances come in, it's yours, Lord. Our congregation, they're yours, not mine. You love them, and you're caring for them. And as a steward, I'll try to be where I need to be, and I want to be a responsible steward. I have responsibility, but not ownership. So this day is yours. And I'm yours, and these people are yours, and the resources are yours, and the challenges that we face are yours, as anything we hope to accomplish is yours. It's yours, Lord. It's not mine. And do you know what that is in my heart? It's freedom. It's freedom. Awesome. God gives us a freedom when we move out of the driver's seat into the passenger seat. It's a prayer of freedom. And I'm suddenly released from being the owner. And I'm reminded that God is the owner. And he's a masterful owner. He is the, the owner who does a superior job to any and all when he's allowed to be the owner. We hand it over and we humbly say, Lord, help me to be in the right place, the right time. Whatever you need, we're here. We're your servants. Tell us when and where. And we're willing. We're stewards. Oh, what freedom. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden I give is light. And that's because he's our leader. He's our owner. And we're his servants. And So I want to suggest this morning... That one of the ways that we switch from being from the driver's seat to the passenger's seat, from owner to steward, 
is simply by learning to give. Learning to give in every aspect of life. 2,285 times this word is used in the Bible, and the word is giving. Paul grasped this concept as he ministered to the early churches. And he speaks with great clarity to the churches in, to the church in Corinth. And he puts it this way. He said, you already excel in other good qualities. You have faith and knowledge and enthusiasm and love. Now add generosity to your virtues. Second Corinthians 8, 7. Well, I have to say I've learned so much from TCC and the people who are part of this vibrant community. I learn. I learn and I grow with you. I've watched others be generous. And it helps me want to be generous too. Oh, I still get stuck all over the place. I, I Believe me, I do. And I'm tempted to get in the driver's seat. But I want to be a passenger. I want to be a passenger. I want to review a principle with you today. The principle of generosity. And I just want to try to put my arms around that word for a few minutes and be reminded of five spin-offs that come to us when we head off on the freeway called generosity. You know, generosity is like spiritual aerobics. Why do you do aerobics? Well, one of the main reasons is cardiovascular exercise. It's good for the heart. It's good for the heart. And giving is a great cardiovascular spiritual exercise that's good for your heart. And your heart grows every time you give. Your heart gets stronger every time you give. And every time you, you give, you make progress on moving from owner to steward. Let me show you how. Number one, giving makes us more like God. The very essence of who God is, is this quality. God's a giver. That comes easily and authentically from God because that's who he is. That's his nature. It's not necessarily our nature. Have you noticed that? If we're going to be like God, we need that quality in our lives. The giving quality. God is a giver. And you could, you could quote a number of verses to me that support that statement. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Do you remember when you were really young and we did these family exchanges at Christmas? I don't know if, you, if you've done this. And even the kids gave to other kids. And we'd have this big Christmas dinner and all the cousins would be there and we'd exchange names. And I would have a gift for a cousin that lived in Calgary. Did I go out and buy it? No, I didn't. But my parents, they caught into this routine and they bought the gift, they wrapped the gift, they signed my name to the gift and I gave it to my cousin. You know, that's a lot like God. I listen to these words from 1 Chronicles 29, 13, and 14. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. And there it is. The reality of our giving. 
If I give anything in this life, I'm just giving what God first gave to me. It was never mine. I'm just giving what God gave me. I've heard some of our people say, if I have anything, it's only because God did it. If I have anything, it's only because he gave it to me and he put me here. Well, First Chronicles is the absolute best support for that truth. Secondly, giving draws us closer to God. Jesus made this statement, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be, Matthew 6.21. Or the other translation, for where you place your treasure, there you'll find your heart. So where's your heart? It's wherever your treasure is. Where's your treasure? In your career, your hobby, sports, house, publicity. Wherever I put my money reveals my values and reveals what's important to me. It reveals my priorities. And every time I give, whether to God or someone else who has a need, it's an act of worship because my heart goes where my money goes. Jesus told us that's how it works. Your heart goes where your money goes. Your heart goes where your money goes. So whenever God sees you tithe, or whenever God sees you smile or give, a smile comes to his face because he knows you're growing. He knows you're understanding his heart and his priorities. And he looks at us and he says, well, that's my boy. It's my gal. They're growing to be like me. They're coming closer to my heart. So giving draws us closer to God. Thirdly, giving breaks the grip of materialism in our lives. What a tough job to get out of the grip of insecurity, or of, of the insecurity of this life. Our, our world is built to keep us from getting out. Everything is so attractive in the world of consumerism. It feeds into what is so natural for me, to be a consumer rather than a giver, and to build as many layers of protection of security around me as I possibly can. A preacher said, paid a visit to a farmer and asked, if you had $200, would you give $100 to the Lord? Oh, sure, said the farmer. Well, the, the preacher said, if you had two cows, would you give one cow to the Lord? Oh, well, you know I would. Yes, I would. Well, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? The farmer replied, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> Giving is never easy. Do you see the journal on CBC some time ago? This elderly couple won $11 million in a lottery. And they gave it all away. They gave it all away. They didn't keep a cent. Uh, but they blessed others with the $11 million. That's pretty amazing. She has cancer. And they live in an older home. But they said, but we have everything we need. We don't need anything. And they gave it all away. The only antidote to materialism and the pull of consumerism is the freeway of generosity. Once you pull onto the freeway of generosity, you significantly lessen the tug of materialism. Suddenly you feel free and you experience the fresh breezes of contentment and joy and satisfaction. 
By the way, if this is appropriate, might I encourage you to teach your children what you've learned about generosity? Let your children see you writing out your tithe checks or your financial gifts to the church. Not so they can go off and tell somebody, but so that you can model generosity to them. So they have to ask you the question, what you doing, Mom? What you doing, Dad? Because they will soon have to break their grip on materialism as well. And maybe it will even be a more difficult bondage. But who better to learn from than respected parents? Fourthly, giving strengthens our faith. These are the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 12. Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples and said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Sooner or later in life, we have to decide, can God be trusted with our finances? Can he be counted on to keep his promises? Can you tithe 10% and still have enough to go around to meet the needs in your life? Tithing is an Old Testament concept. We carry that forward in the New Testament as a, more as the principle, and we, we talk about proportionate giving. For typically most of us, it's, it's even above the tithe. But, but if tithing is a challenge, where have we started? Do we start with 5%? Move to 7%? And, and you know, the Word of God says, My God will supply all of your needs. Philippians 4.19 Honor the Lord with the first part of your income, and He'll bless you. Proverbs chapter 3. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse and see if I won't pour out a blessing so much you won't be able to bear it. Malachi 3.10. Do I really believe Jesus in Luke uh, chapter 6.38? Give and it shall be given. You know one of the greatest benefits what God does in our hearts uh, when we focus on giving? For all of us, for almost all of us, it's a faith building thing. Hardly anyone comes to this experience of having to decide what to give to God without it being a faith-building experience. For all of us, it's a wrestle. And most of the gifts that we give to the ministry, that we give to God, people are saying, I don't really know if I'm going to be able to do that. I think it's the right number, but I don't know if I can trust God to provide for that. It's faith-building, but so exciting. And we step into a zone that is not as comfortable, Uh, on the other hand, very adventurous. This verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, Give not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need, and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. I love that verse. That's an awesome verse. Listen, there are times in our lives as followers of Christ, there are times when God challenges us to do something out of the ordinary, 
way beyond what we could do in our own human ability, a sacrificial gift. And he'll say, I want you to do this and this. And, and, and Mark and I have had to say, but I don't know if we could do that. I just don't see how we could do that. But then you make that commitment and you're in for the greatest adventure of your life. And you see God do miracles. And you, you see him provide in ways you would never imagine. What an adventure. Giving strengthens our faith. It is faith building. And then giving is an investment for eternity. We're always looking for good investments, aren't we? They're hard to find these days. And we've all heard the expression, you can't take it with you. In 40 years as a pastor, I've never seen a hearse driving out to the graveside pulling a U-Haul trailer. I've never seen it. Can you just imagine that picture in your mind? Wouldn't you laugh if you actually saw it? There's the graveyard, there's the cemetery, there's the hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Because once you're gone, you leave it all behind. But there's another way to look at it. You can make investments that will go on ahead of you. Eternal investments. And that's how Jesus encouraged us to think. Send it on ahead. Remember his words from uh, Matthew 6, 19? Don't, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. I'm going to spend more time in heaven than I am on this earth. So why not think and plan ahead for some heavenly investments? This life will soon be over, but heaven is for all eternity. And how do we store our investments in heaven? Ah, glad you asked. Paul spoke to that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Here it is in the Living Bible. Use your money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. There's no greater. There is no safer. There is no wiser investment than the kingdom of God. What a great place to make an investment. Not just for a few years here on this earth, but for all of eternity. And we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Have you thought about your investment? Are you saving anything for eternity? Are you investing in eternity? Have you looked around and considered the fact that you're not going to be around in 70 years? 50 years? 30 years? And you're going to spend the rest of your life in eternity. There are two things to consider when you contemplate investing in eternity. Number one is, I cannot outgive God. Every time you give, God says he'll give it back to you because he's got a much bigger shovel than you do. And there's a principle here that God put in place. You'll be surprised at how it comes back. You shouldn't be too focused on how it's going to come back. Just on giving it and allow God to do what he wants to do. But you'll be surprised. And you'll be amazed at how God has a bigger shovel. And somehow he has decided to bless in this way. It takes a multitude of forms. 
But you shovel it to him. And he takes a bigger shovel and shovels it back to you. But just focus on your shovel. And you'll be surprised. And you'll be blessed when you see his shovel. And you'll worship him and say, oh my God, look at, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. And he'll do those miracles in your life. And you'll say, God, there you are again. Only God. Just give him praise and let it be a lesson that it, you can trust him. The second thing is that I will always reap more than I sow. I will always reap more than I sow. That's always true. That's true in anything. If you sow criticism, you will always reap more criticism back than you sowed. If you sow gossip, you will always reap back more gossip than you sowed. But it works also in the financial realm. When I plant an apple seed, I don't get one seed back. I get a tree full of apples. Uh, when I plant a bushel of wheat, I get back a truckload of wheat. I now get 50 bushels back. I now maybe get 100 bushels back. And so the measure you give will be measured back to you. And there's an amazing cycle to all of this. God keeps filling our basket again and again. We learn to keep giving and God amazingly by his grace keeps giving it back so that we can give it out again. And he gives it back and we give it out again. And that's what life is. I say we serve a very awesome God who loves to see us take a left turn out of the safety and security zone of our lives and move us right out onto generosity freeway. And when we're on generosity freeway, it's quite a trip because freedom reigns, miracles abound, lives are changed, investments in eternity are the norm, and our hearts overflow with the joy of his presence. This week, Marg and I have an awesome privilege to travel to Peru for one brief week with Compassion Canada. You know, I think God's going to rock my world. I really do. Got an email this week uh, to say, "Would you, would you speak to the compassion staff in Peru?" Is there a Canadian pastor coming? Yeah, oh, there's one coming. Would you speak to the Peru Compassion staff in Lima? Pray for me. That it's not just anything, but it's a word for them. A word of God's faithfulness. A word of God's goodness. You know, I know the Lord's going to Show us a whole new, new world. We're going to be visiting in homes with families in poverty. Uh, we've already adopted a little girl down there. Her name is Eva. She's six years old. We have an Ava, who's a granddaughter. So we got an Eva and an Ava now. They're both six. We get to pray for them. But I think in terms of what we have. 
Why should I be so richly blessed? Why is it that I was born into a middle-class family in rural Alberta? How is it that God has blessed us with a home? Two vehicles. Wow. Food on our table. Clothes on our back. And even a bank account that balances once in a while. Our prayer is that we will learn a little bit more of God's great truth. Being a steward and not an owner. Our prayer is that we will be wise and responsible stewards who listen for the voice of God and obey. And listen, if you're here this morning and you've never made God the owner of your life, will you? If you've never said to God, I want to surrender my life to you and I want to belong to you and I thank you for Jesus who died on the cross and I give my life to Jesus, I recognize the sin in my life and I ask you to forgive my sin, Lord, and come into my life. If you've never come to that place, will you? Will you say yes to him? And if you've walked with the Lord for a long time, but you've been in the driver's seat and it's time to move over and be a passenger, you've been the owner of your life, but you've not been a steward. Being the steward is, is not comfortable. Would you switch over and be a passenger and not the driver? And allow God to take you on a trip that will bless your socks off. He wants to do great things in your life.